0: Welcome, you are listening to the Better Together Podcast with Callie and Rosario Picardo. We take on topics involving marriage, ministry,
1: parenting, communication, relationships, and other subjects that our listeners want to hear more about.
2: Welcome to another edition of the Better Together podcast. I am your co-host, Rosario Picardo.
0: And I'm your other co-host, Callie Picardo. And today we have a special guest with us, Dr. Jack Jackson. He is the professor of evangelism and world Methodism at United Theological Seminary. And I have been very much enjoying Jack's teachings. I've been in an evangelism class he's been taking this summer, and it has just blown my mind on what actually is evangelism? Because I don't know about you, friends, but I did not have the the best, you know, you get, you get negative impressions. And so, Jack, we've invited you here today to help us reframe what evangelism means and perhaps share with us some easier ways that we can share our faith with the world around us. Welcome to the Better Together podcast.
1: Well, it is great to be here with you and to uh, listen to both of you team up on these uh, podcasts. I've listened to a couple of them, and uh, they've been really a blessing. So happy to be here with you both.
0: That's awesome. awesome. Well, Jack, you are a professor of evangelism, as we shared, and I think a lot of people want to share their faith, but they either feel intimidated, like they might do it wrong or like they're going to offend someone, or maybe they shouldn't share their faith because is that wrong to push your faith on someone else? And others may have just gotten a bad taste on their mouth because they've come across a street preacher or televangelist that just gave them kind of a a weird feeling about it. So, I mean, what does it really mean to share your faith?
1: Mm, Such a good question and such hard ones. Yeah, you know, as I as I talk with uh, laity and clergy, the uh, one of the things we have to overcome, um, if if we're pastors talking with laity, one one of the things we have to overcome is that most of our examples of uh, the e word, I actually try not to say the word evangelism because the ism part is actually not in the Bible. What's in the Bible is that we are called. Some of us are called. To the special gift of being an evangelist. And that does seem to be a unique gift to some people. And yet, all Christians are called by Peter to be able to give the reason for the hope we have and to be able to to do that with gentleness and respect. And that's kind of my mantra for when it comes to sharing our faith. So I, I try not to use that E word. And at the same time, I try to say to every person if you're a Christian, as far as I know, you don't get to get out of. Peter's admonition to us we are all called to be able to really articulate why uh, we have hope and in our case why we have hope in Christ and how do we do that really respectfully and generously and lovingly and uh, and in turn how do we uh, hear others as they're giving their reasons for what hopes they have I think people I think we're heard better when we can hear better um so that's p- some of the stuff we talk about but what we have to overcome is, The examples that most of us have are both the hardest and the least effective. So, the street corner is kind of the the classic example, both of what many of us think of evangelism and what we don't want to be. And the reason we don't like it is because uh, it is the hardest. It's uh, talking about what we believe with people we do not know and people we will never see again. And as we all know, that just is um, something we don't want to do. I mean, I really don't want to hear people that I don't know and have never seen and will never see again. Tell me the really most important things. You know, it's not that I don't want to hear it. It's just that I I'm busy. I have other things to do. Walking down a street, I'm not going to turn over and start talking to some random person about what they think is the most important thing in the world. And in turn, we shouldn't be surprised when they don't want to do that with us either. And at the same time, that's also, it is, all the data shows that is the least effective person to share our faith with. And so we're held, you know, almost every time I hear a preacher preach about evangelism, they use that kind of story as an example, even if it's not on a street corner, they use that kind of example of someone you meet that you've never met and you'll never see again. And I I do this all the time too. I talk about people I meet on airplanes or buses or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and so that i think that's the challenge we have is that that's that's the example it's held up as the normative example and everyone universally hates it and we all know it's not effective so i spend most of my time trying to help people reimagine actually what what sharing our faith is about who we can do that most effectively with and how do we do it in ways that builds community instead of tearing it down
2: you've come up with an acronym to help with sharing Faith, what what is that? What does that look like? Yeah. So, uh,
1: really, over the last ten years, I, I so I was uh, a pastor for about twelve years, and then have been a professor for another twelve years. And I would say most of the last twelve years that I've been teaching, it's been uh, I've also been working with churches and thinking about people who were in the churches I served, and over time. I've noticed and seen uh, six basic practices that I've put into an acronym because I like acronyms and I can never remember anything if it's not an acronym, really. Um, So I'm using this acronym uh, and the word reveal because I do think that's the central task for Christians when it comes to how do we share our faith is how do we reveal the story of Jesus? I think Christians are really, Um, Sometimes we really err on the side of thinking people have any idea what we're talking about. If you did not grow up in the church, if you have not been part of a church, if you haven't read the Bible before, uh, you have no idea what's happening on Easter Sunday and Christmas Eve. You just have no idea. And Christians all the time who I meet really assume that this story is integral in people when we're born. And that is simply not true. People learn the story of Jesus because we're told it, we are read it, we read it, um, or there's some kind of miraculous intervention of the Holy Spirit, which does happen sometimes. It is not normative. It's very rare. And it usually doesn't happen to people in Western cultures. That Usually when I hear it, it's about people who grew up in cultures that really have no um, no cultural support for the Christian story um so we have to learn this so i use this this acronym of reveal where um that that incorporates what i see as the six practices and i'll just walk through them real quick and if you want to talk any more about them but the first is r which is repeat uh people hear the story or in, interact with the story multiple multiple times before they say yes at any level and then they keep on reacting to the story and this is part of what we talked about in the um uh, the class um that uh the average person w- needs to engage the story of Jesus somewhere between 7 and 30 times before they say yes so the whole street corner model is based on the idea that you're number 7 or you're number 30 now the reality is some people respond after the first time and pastors really make a mistake when they make that the normative example we should be making examples of people who hear the story 50 times before they say yes. Um, So that's, that's the first thing is we have to repeat, 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 repeat. Most of us get tired at four at the fourth or fifth time we've told the story. Um, uh, The second thing is the E we educate. We have to, we have to learn the story in order to be able to share the story. So one of the things I talk about in this material is uh, learning the creeds, especially the apostles and the Nicene creed. Um, Just to give a basic, I mean, a lot of people, and we talked about this a little bit before we started here today, uh, a lot of people really struggle to share the faith because they're worried they're not going to know the answers that people ask. Well, let me tell you, I've been a pastor for 12 years, a professor for 12 years, and I still get asked questions all the time that I do not know the answer to. Just this morning, somebody asked me the question, which you've heard before, what happens when we die? The Bible seems to have multiple visions. Sometimes it says we're going to end up in heaven that day. Sometimes it says that doesn't seem like it's the case. And you know what? I don't know. (laughs) I really don't. Um, All I I know is that I trust who's going to meet me whenever that time is. Um, so we have to don't look.
0: have to have all the answers, just some of the answers to share our faith.
1: We have to know the answer and his name is Jesus.
0: Hey, I love it. And That's we have an an to, we to have to, remember.
1: we have to be able to talk about those, some of those big questions, but saying, you don't know, doesn't make us um, incompetent. It just means that we're like Einstein. Einstein admitted he didn't know everything, but he just was really smart and he made some really good guesses and he figured a lot of things out. So Um, you know, the, the, the issue is not that we know everything, but that we have a humble spirit. We're willing to investigate and we're willing to walk people, you know, walk through some of these journeys. And at the same time, we really do know a lot. We know that we believe God is good and God loves us and God cares for us. And a lot of people do not know that and do not believe that and have never learned it. Um, so, and then just real quick, uh, the V is for verify. We have to live a life that's ethical. If we want to share the faith well, that doesn't mean our ethical lives are not evangelists, are not evangelism themselves, but they help support our claims and our words. Um, and then uh, what's the, the next E? See, this is why I write stuff down and why I have the acronym, because even I can't even remember it as we're walking through it all. Um,
2: what's my second one here?
1: No. Oh, encourage. Encouraging people to uh, to take the next step in in responding to the Holy Spirit. Uh, because most of us need encouragement. And I think about when I was an athlete in high school and college, I, I actually, actually hated going to practice if I was by myself. I just never went. If the, if the team wasn't practicing, I did not go. I needed the encouragement of other people to help me. And I see that a lot of people are at that same uh, same place in their spiritual lives, too. It's just there's so much else going on in life. They need to be encouraged, and that's part of our our role. Um, the A is for articulate. At some point, we do have to articulate the basics of the story uh, that God is good. God created this world, this universe, in love and in grace and in mercy, um, and yet it it's broken. And Christ came to heal us and to heal the world, and we're part of that story. That's that's the two-sentence version, right? We could say a lot more. But we have to articulate that story, even if it's in spoken word, even if it's giving Bible passages to people. And then finally, people who share their faith well are really good listeners, I found. They are really more eager to listen, I would say, typically, than to speak, and then they speak when it's appropriate. Some of the worst evangelists are people who just talk, 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 and we've all seen that. Um, and that's one of the hard parts for preachers when to be evangelists, because preachers are really used to talking, and they're really used to people being quiet and listening to them. And most people who aren't Christians really have very interest, very little interest in what preachers have to say. So preachers, especially, would be really wise, I find, to uh, do a lot more listening um, before speaking, and then speak when they've prayed and you know have discerned that now's the time.
0: That's awesome. Yep. I love that. That just keeps it simple and straightforward to repeat and to educate and to verify and to encourage and articulate and to listen well. It sounds like there. Uh, I'm catching up. There, there might be. Is there just? There's sounds like there's more than one right way. To so do you, sharing your faith, there's, is there a, is there a formula we have to use or are, is there some variety in how we can share our faith with others?
1: Well, <clears throat> there's, oops, excuse me. There's certainly a variety of, of uh, ways. What I'm trying to encourage people to though, is, is to think about their friends, family and coworkers. And really using those three categories, um, because those are the people that we have most interaction with. Those are the people who naturally trust us. Those are the people who actually want to listen to us most of the time um, after we've demonstrated that we're um, genuinely graceful and loving. Um, And so the most important thing I'm trying to work with with folks on is. How do we how do we develop relationships develop friendships that are going to be true legit friendships no matter what a person decides um and and in turn that's what i'm looking for in my life i want people who are going to love me and care for me and and be my friend uh whether or not i share their beliefs on a whole variety of issues um and i think there's actually a lot of people who really want to engage in those kind of conversations um, I think today, if we come in with the mindset that the goal of this relationship is evangelism, that can be problematic at, at various points down the road. So, what I'm trying to encourage folks to do is, hey, what are these natural relationships that you already have? Uh, most people want to share the things that they're, they're really encouraged about. I was talking with somebody the other day. I didn't, I didn't share this in, in class, Galley, but I was uh, talking with someone the other day who is all in on the keto diet. She is all in, and. She was just telling me everything positive about it, how it had changed her life. And she was so excited. And she she genuinely wanted me to experience the same thing. And I ended the conversation by just, you are an evangelist for keto. And this person's not a Christian. She was horrified initially. But then she was like, oh, I guess I am. Aren't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the truth, right? I mean, most of us actually, we want to share the things we love and in turn we want to hear from our friends and our family and our coworkers about what they love um so if we can do that gently and respectfully as peter says um i find there's a lot of openness and especially if if we're met with rejection which is what happens 20 the first 29 times if we can just stay loving and graceful and saying you know that's all right i love you no, no matter what uh Then a lot of people are really open to those kind of deep, deep conversations. And so I'm trying to not provide a formula. What I am trying to provide is a framework. Um, That's the first time I've thought of that difference, not a formula, but but a framework. And so even within that reveal, um, those six practices, they don't happen in any order. They just happen over time in people who share their faith well, right? So sometimes it's first a whole bunch of listening, and then at some point there's an articulation. Sometimes though, the articulation comes really quickly, and then it's a bunch of listening after that, because people want to talk about why they don't believe or what they parts they believe and what parts they don't believe. That kind of thing, um, and that and that's why I like the uh, starting with the repeating, because for most people, this is an ongoing conversation. Um, And I think really importantly, and I think this is where Christians, we've really missed it over the last couple of hundred years. We've embraced the the idea that the evangelist's task is to speak the gospel, but that there's really only one response, and that is an initial repentance and faith that leads to conversion. That is critical. Repentance and faith that leading us to conversion is absolutely the crux of the Christian faith and especially the Wesleyan understanding of that faith. And never once in the Bible or in the Methodist tradition does it ever say, all right, now that someone's converted, we stop articulating the gospel. The gospel continues to be articulated in our life, and that's why we continue to fall down on our knees because we hear the gospel again, and we realize again that we're still sinful, and we realize again that we need to still repent, and we realize again that we need to believe even more deeply, and that continues to form us into the image of Christ. So it, I think it's really critical that you know we say, all right, the gospels articulated at some point it's going to lead to this conversion,
2: but we still keep articulating. We still keep telling the story. I think that listening piece is crucial. Um, even if you've heard the story or heard uh, it expressed thirty times, your level of receptivity may change depending on life circumstance and what you're going through um, as an individual, and so. Um, folks that have heard the story and rejected it may be open, um, depending on if they've gone through, um, loss, death of a loved one, divorce, um, whatever it may be, uh, medical diagnosis, people tend to, um, become more open during those times, or they reach out to that person of faith to start having those conversations, um, which is amazing. Um, and this thing called prevenient grace that we believe in that God is at work in the hearts and lives of people before, uh, we even come on the scene, you know, um, thinking that we invoke God's presence or spirit when we go somewhere when God is already at work. So it, it's a good reminder that we're not on our own when we're doing this.
1: Well, that's exactly right. And then the, uh, material that I'm working on, we talk about that in the sense that in listening, you're just not listening to try to find out what's going on with someone and their favorite drink or, you know, what's happening in their day. What you're listening for is you're listening to how the Holy Spirit has already been active in a person's life uh, long before you got there and how the spirit might continue working long after you leave that conversation. So it's trying to, trying to figure out, and and, uh, I was actually reading a book the last few days by Jay Moon. Mm-hmm. Called effective intercultural evangelism. He's a professor at Asbury and Asbury Seminary. And he he talks about this really well in the sense of how how are we paying attention to what the spirits and listening to what the spirit's doing, already doing. In someone's life i think uh, a lot of us evangelists are you know very arrogant sometimes and that really comes off in our words that we're the savior here we're the ones bringing the knowledge no we're we're bringing very little to the table all we're trying to do is articulate something maybe that the holy spirit's been doing in a very quiet way um uh in a way too deep for words <laughs> What we're trying to do is articulate some of those words, give people a framework, point people to the bigger story that's out there. And um, and the only way we figure that out is by listening to somebody.
0: Zach, this is all so good. What would you say, kind of as we wrap up to the person that's like, okay, I want to do this? And they're thinking, where do I start? What where where would you tell someone who's like, Okay, I want to share my faith. I like this. What do I do now?
2: The first
1: thing I recommend to people is that they, is that they actually start sharing parts of their faith story, the little chapters of their faith story in whatever small group they're part of. Um, and if you're in a church that allows it and embraces it, then... Um, once i would had done that sum in a small group i'd start uh, seeing if there was other people uh, in larger groups that i could do that with and share um you know it used to be part of the methodist um dna that everyone knew how to share their faith because they actually did share their faith within their smaller communities whether it was class meetings or bands or society meetings uh, we've really gotten away from that now it is really only the professionals in 99% of the cases that i see only the professional is articulating their faith story um and so i would start i if i was wanting to i would start in my Small group, because that's a safer place. That's where you can learn how to share. um, And that's where you can be encouraged. If I was a pastor, I would, if I was a pastor, again, my bias would be that we would never have a meeting where someone didn't share their faith. And when I say share the faith, I don't mean everything they believe. I mean, two minutes. uh, kind of what's happened within the last week, what was the significant story, maybe it was their conversion story, but I would be really careful not to have that be the usual example, the normative example, I would be um, asking people to share their stories of when they were just thinking about the faith, before they believed. And I would ask people to share their stories of how the Spirit kept working in their lives, um, after they came to faith. Um, So that people would start seeing other examples. The reason most of our laity do not know how to share their faith is because they literally never hear people share their faith. And when they do, it is the paid staff. Of course, I am making a big, (laughs) I mean, I'm speaking in exclusivist terms, and that's not always true. But I would say in 99% of the cases that I see, that is true. It's not laity. It's, uh, or if it is, it's paid staff laity. So uh, we're getting, as pastors, we're getting what we've prepared, and that is that is we have a generation now of people who don't know how to articulate the faith because we have not asked them to.
0: I think that's a good challenge for all of us, Jack, to just find a, whether it's our small group or some, that safe person to talk to, to start just trying it out, sharing, sharing our faith, where we get more comfortable doing it, where it becomes more second nature for us, where we're excited about it again, like your keto evangelist friend, we can... Come back to this excitement around the good news of Jesus Christ, who came to earth to die for us on the cross, to die for our sins, and to extend this amazing, extravagant grace. And then he rose from the dead. And with that, we have new life in Christ. So we can start sharing that good news with those around us and seeing where God might open the door for us to be able to partner with the Holy Spirit and doing that work. Jack, thank you. Thank you for sharing with us and joining us on the podcast today.
2: You are welcome. It's my pleasure. And for our listeners, you have a challenge now to start sharing your faith. Um, it doesn't have to be with a stranger necessarily, but just practice, get it out there, and uh, you'll be surprised at what God does. And again, it has takes repetition and practice, um, and it's simple, too. Um, don't make it more complex than it is. So share this podcast with a friend, a family member, a coworker, someone in your church, And be encouraged this day and remember to continue to share uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next time, remember, we are better together. God bless.